Too many who know the angles Uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle be in Dapper Dan Gavazdan and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including the annuals, which definitely count. And I'm mischievous Mark Giannacchio, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including the annuals, but the annuals don't count. And Dan, where we are hanging out in our episode today, there were lots of annuals for sale, and I made sure I went to each person and said, these don't count. Why are you even selling them? Just, just hang it up, buddy. Does that get you a price reduction? You know, I, I didn't know because they just threw me out. So <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Well, hey, everybody. Uh, thank you for joining us for our beyond amazing celebration of Spider-Man's 60th anniversary on The Amazing Spider Talk, the show where two fans and collectors uncover the strange, fun and fascinating history, all 60 years of it, of the Spider-Man comic universe. If you want to swing along with us on our journey through Spidey's past, present, and future, subscribe to Amazing Spider Talk on your favorite podcast app. Every other week, we put out a mainline episode of our flagship show, and sprinkled in between, we review new comics as well as interview some of the greatest Spider-Man creators of yesterday and today. This is the perfect time to start listening, especially for the interview part. Yes, absolutely. We've It's been a little bit since we've had interviews or this many interviews on the show. So speaking of which, you know, we've done a lot of interviews on our show. I think over a hundred of them in, in our history from creators as far back as Jerry Conway to people as modern, you know, as like say Nick Spencer or any number of those collaborators, Mark Bagley. And if you want to hear those interviews, a lot of them are starting to move off of our main feed into our sub feed, which is amazing spider talk back issues, which kind of has all of our oldest episodes of amazing spider talk, but there are some real gems in there. So if you do want to listen to our full catalog of amazing spider talk, Go check out our Amazing Spider Talk Back Issues feed on Apple Podcasts. And if you do go there, please leave us a review. We want everybody to learn about this feed, and the reviews are great ways for Apple to start bumping that feed up into their algorithm, which nobody can figure out. But we're going to try to game it the best that we can. Algorithms, baby. Well... You know, I always say, Dan, the best the best way to game an algorithm is to give the people great content. And that is what we got today, because on our continuation of Beyond Amazing, the celebration of Spider-Man's first appearance in Amazing Fantasy 15, 60 years ago. You know, in these episodes, we're taking a very specific lens and applying it to the history and the character. Well, for this one, well, OK, maybe not. Exactly. But instead, we're going to let other people do the talking, specifically some of the creators who have worked on Spider-Man over the years. That's right. Uh, Mark was lucky enough to travel to this year's Terrificon, 
I was sadly at home. Terrificon itself <laughs> was a celebration of Spidey's 60th, which made it even more bitter that I didn't get to go. But um, <laughs> while Mark was there, he conducted interviews with many of the guests that we're going to have on today's show. Meanwhile, I was able to attend a great comic shop in Ventura called Arsenal Comics and Games. I drove over an hour to get there, but Ventura is beautiful at this time of year. So not the worst hour of my life. And there they had a signing party for a special variant cover of amazing Spider-Man number 900. And I got to interview one of our white whales. Mark, who did we talk to? Well, I, I can't speak to who you talked to Dan, but I got to speak with Jerry Conway, Jim shooter, Terry Cavanaugh, Howard Mackey, John Dell, Sam De La Rosa, Tim Townsend, Keith Williams, and of course, John Ramita Jr. But Dan, I mean, I can't believe when you texted me to say what was happening. I, I mean, my jaw fell. I was in a brewery, of course, because that's what I do. But I was still like frantically texting you things you got to ask. Dan, who did you talk to? Yeah, I got to talk to Dan Slot. That's not wrong. Dan Slott is going to be appearing at the end of this episode. So hang on, listen to all the awesome interviews that Mark did, and you'll get to hear Dan Slott on Amazing Spider Talk. I can hardly believe it. Mark, pinch me. Dan Slott is making an appearance on the show. You you are the ultimate flex, oh, as always, Dan. <laughs> I, I, I can't wait to get to it. But why don't why don't we why don't we introduce the 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 first uh, hopefully as exciting part of the show? Well, now let's meet one of our amazing spider friends, the kind of guy I go to other friends who recommend. Find out about the things they created. You love them so much that you wish you dated. But you're just friends. They're an amazing friend. A friend. A friend. A friend. They're an amazing friend. Yeah, Mark. So. You know, you got to go to Terrificon, which is a, a con that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about Terrificon for people who maybe don't know about that show and our history with it? Yeah, well, it's Connecticut's largest comic convention. And uh, part of what we love about it is how focused it is on the creation of actual comics rather than, you know, television or movies. Dan and I have attended different iterations of this show twice before. The first time was in 2013, which is also the very first time you and I met in person. It's also the very first time you borrowed money from me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also uh, where we scored some of the earliest creator interviews we ever had. And that was with the likes of J.M. Demetrius, Danny Figueroth, Jen Salakrup, Mark Bagley, and then the legendary Tom DeFalco. Of course, then we attended again in 2018, and that was where we recorded our 200th episode extravaganza. And boy, was that an extravaganza. And we got one of our big white whales, you know, at the time. I mean, still, I would still consider him among the, the pinnacle of people we've ever had on the show, which was Christopher Priest, a.k.a. Jim Owsley, the former Spider editor, who we talked to about a bunch of things. But most importantly, his role in the Hobgoblin saga, which, you know, of course, we talked about a bunch in our Roger Stern season as well. By that point, the show had grown into the juggernaut that it is today, and it was actually held at Mohegan Sun, which is, of course, where it was in 2022. But, you know, as you alluded to in the intro, this year was also the summer of Spider-Man's 60th anniversary, and the organizer, Terrificon, Mitch Halleck, he is a huge Spider-Man nut 
uh, admittedly. So he got the star-studded lineup of creators, most of which had connections to Spider-Man. There were so many people to talk to, and the con was very crowded, which I think is kind of a sign of maybe people having pandemic burnout and just wanting to get out and do stuff, uh, for better (laughs) or worse. You know, unfortunately, there was no economical way to get everybody we wanted on the show so i i got as much of a representation as i reasonably could a bunch of people were like oh maybe talk to us later so maybe we'll have some follow-up interviews uh from the event yeah it, it was it was a great time dan you were totally missed 100 some people were asking about you like our, our first guest here uh, that we'll get to in a second but it's wild and crazy man i mean like cons are back we're doing stuff san diego was back this year and 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 people are looking to talk so what, what's better than that right yeah, nothing. I, I really wish I could have been there. I had some serious FOMO, but you know, with my newborn son and COVID being what it is, uh, there's always next year. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I know Terrificon will, you know, always be one, like a big part of our show's history, but also something that we look to every year because their lineup is always excellent. I'm happy to promote them on also fearful that it becomes like less and less that little gem of a show that we knew all the way back in 2013. But, you know, they're doing such a great job on the con. I'm happy to see everybody there. I can't imagine because last time it was really hop and I remember the lines for Ron Friends. So I can't even imagine what it was like with, you know, some of the people there like John Romita Jr. and uh, Jim Shooter and so on and so forth. So, well, who are we going to start off with? You alluded to something. Tell me the first interview we're going to talk about. Well, the first off, I thought we would start the festivities off with probably our most frequent uh, creator guest on the show, which is also just a wild thing for me to think about because I, I, you know, while he he kind of scoffs at this title, I do think of him as one of the most legendary creators in all comics, and that's uh, Jerry Conway. Jerry, of course, was the first writer to succeed Stan Lee as the regular writer on Amazing Spider-Man in the 1970s. Uh, He's best known for the death of Gwen Stacy arc uh, before there was social media and he can get death threats online. He also turned Harry Osborn evil, created the Punisher and the Jackal, the original clone saga, and then went on to have additional great runs on Web of Spider-Man in the 1980s and early 90s and Spectacular Spider-Man, where he created Tombstone. Amazing Spider-Man Spiral, which is a more recent story, and also Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows, Volume 2 with uh, Ryan Stegman. We just chatted for a few minutes, mainly because, like I alluded to, we've talked to Jerry so many times, it's hard to even think of what to talk about next. But Jerry, of course, still has some great things to say. You know, most of it was kind of reflecting on his career and how much of it has been defined by his relationship to the wall crawler. So take it away, Jerry Conway. This is Mark Ginocchio from the floor of Terrificon at Mohican Sun in Connecticut, and we are joined by friend of the pod, Jerry Conway. Jerry, it's actually been, I think, some time since we last had you on the show. I feel like we've exhausted so many topics with you <laughs> over the years. You've always been so, so gracious with your time, so I appreciate you taking a couple of minutes here. I think what I actually wanted to start you off with, um, you know, obviously your backdrop right now is The Punisher and, you know, coming off of some of the news we got out of San Diego Comic-Con that they were going to bring Daredevil back into the MCU as on Disney Plus. And, you know, what we didn't hear any details about was the John Barenthal Punisher character. And I remember at the time that this, when that show came out, you had a, an affinity for both the, the performance and how they portrayed the character. So, you know, 
what, what do you think is going to happen there? You want to see Punisher in the MCU? Do you think he, it would work in, in the way Disney has kind of set up the MCU so far? Uh, it's, a, it's a hard call, but I mean, they, are, they do seem to be willing to embrace the street-level characters now with uh, Daredevil and Kingpin. And even Hawkeye was a little, I mean, it was a lighthearted show, but it, but it had some dark elements in it. I think you could bring Frank Castle into that milieu. I don't know whether you could bring him in as a completely R-rated style character. You know, mm. you'd, you'd probably have to bring, bring him back, you know, pull him back a bit. Uh, that said, I have no way of knowing what they're up to or what, what their <laughs> intentions are. My guess is that they probably want to stay away from that character for a while. Right. But you know, the future, the future is uh, is there. You yeah. know, they've made, they've created an opening, so it could happen. Excellent. Well, to go from the potentially new to going all the way back, obviously. This summer is the 60th anniversary of the first appearance of the Amazing Spider-Man in Amazing Fantasy 15. And obviously when it comes to Spider-Man, you have quite a legacy on the character. Uh, I know we've asked you, you know, in, you know, in the past about what, what are your thoughts of your legacy? And you kind of <laughs> laugh about that. But, you know, looking, obviously you've done a ton of work in comics, a ton of influential work, but like even looking at your table right now, we have covers for Amazing Spider-Man number 129, 122, 121. To think about like your career and to be associated with this character and such pivotal moments for this character that have been done in movies. I mean, you know, to, to reach the 60th anniversary and be a part of that history, what, it, what does that mean to you? I mean, it's to think that these characters have gone on for this long, I guess, and, and well, you're a part of it. <laughs> I, I, I can remember picking up Amazing Fantasy number 15 at a junk store in like 1965 when there were, I think, maybe 20 issues of Spider-Man out, and I paid a quarter for the... For the uh, the used, beat-up copy. Uh, so I've been I've been with Spider-Man as a as a reader since the, the book came out, pretty much. Getting to write that character when I did was sort of like having your your childhood dreams fulfilled, but I was still a child. So <laughs> it was particularly weird. And the idea that something that I was involved with actively 50 years ago, maybe 40 years ago for the later stuff, you know, that it still has any resonance today is, you know, kind of a, a, a sweet deal. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's nice to have been associated with it for whatever limited, you know, time scale I was. And if you, you know, even look at the movie universe, which I think has completely changed the paradigm of comic book superheroes, <laughs> you know, I'm far from home. In, in December, you know, we had callbacks to the death of Gwen Stacy, callbacks to the death of the Green Goblin. I mean, these are, do you, when these movies are out, when friends and family see them, do you, do you, are, are you the guy that's saying, you know, I was a part, you know, I did that, or, or do you, you know, or are, you, are, you, are you past that now? <laughs> well, well I, do, I do comment on it. I mean, it's hard not to, you know, to, sh to have some pride uh, that something that you, that you were associated with, you know, still uh, is relevant today i mean that's it's kind of remarkable and bewildering because you know we never we never had any ideas like yeah, that yeah. you know that i keep telling people you know in the 70s their <laughs> comics were on their on a death march i mean our sales were dropping 
every year um, there was no real idea that there was a potential ancillary market and in terms of cultural impact I think we we ranked below Saturday morning cartoons so <laughs> it's really hard to hard to imagine that we're so the, the, the material is so pervasive now it's a, it, it's a great gift for me in my old age yeah you know? <laughs> now, just when I should be fading into irrelevance it just keeps going right <laughs> now you've obviously had a couple of return engagements with the character and, and the comics over the years and on the animated series so I guess from your standpoint it, do you think you still have more stories to tell with Spider-Man, or do you think you think you're tapped out on that front? I, I think I probably still have more stories to tell, but uh, realistically, I'm I'm not uh, really capable of doing uh, monthly books anymore. Yeah, or meeting deadlines. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just don't have that level of of need or passion. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would like to. I mean, I do have a story in mind that if I have the opportunity. I might write up on my own and then just send it to the editors and see if they want to do it. But I, right. I would hate to pitch it to them and then never show up with it. Right. <laughs> so get it done first and then, yeah, and then, you, know, and then you can show it just off. Just on yeah. my own, you know. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good strategy. I like that. <laughs> do you want to uh, promote yourself in any way before we... Well, I, I'm always... I'm always willing to share my insights and annoyances on Twitter as, yep. as ever. Yep. Uh, you can always follow me at Jerry Conway. And, uh, you know, I'll be showing up at some cons this year and uh, hopefully next year, you know. Excellent. Well, Jerry, it is always a pleasure to, to have you on our show. Uh, I'm glad we didn't, you know, bore you with going over too much nostalgia here, but, but enjoy the rest of the con and, and, and thanks again. Thank you. Of course, it's always great to hear from Jerry Conway. And, you know, I always think back to when we first had him on the show and how nervous we were. And now, like, I consider him one of the greatest friends we have on the show. So always good to hear from him. So what was it? Well, let me ask this. What was it like to meet Jerry in person? Well, I got to meet Jerry once before in New York at the New York Comic Con, I don't know, 2014, 2015. But even at that point, it was still kind of, we, he wasn't a regular yet, so there was still that that. And this time it was just like, hey, like like you said, meeting an old friend. He was asked, like, where's your partner? I said, oh, he's had a baby. He had a baby. That's right. I mean, like you know, he knows he knows about our lives, Dan. I mean, you know, Jerry Conway knows about our lives. You know, he know he knows about my fitness. He knows about your kid. It's just it, it, it's it's pretty remarkable to think about. But, um, but you know, he, he was he was very gracious. I mean, like he, he literally was. I, I, I did a lap around the con to see who had arrived on that Friday and then immediately went to Jerry because I was like, we'll get this done. And needless to say, he you know, he was signed a few autographs, took a quick break and and then we we reconvened. So it was good stuff. Awesome. Well, who's up next? Who, what's the big next big name you've got for us here? All right. Well, this is this is a totally new one, and and admittedly a bit of a white whale for me, just based on my my love of this era of Spider, of not just Spider Man comics, but Marvel comics in general. Jim Shooter, who was the editor in chief of Marvel Comics from 1978 to 1987, I would say he oversaw one of the most successful periods in the company's history. He was credited for helping to stabilize the company after a period of editorial and management chaos in the late 70s. 
On the flip side of that, his management style has kind of made him a controversial figure in comics and in Marvels. There, you know, he's there's definitely a love hate thing with Jim Shooter, even around that room that day. <laughs> there was some people like, oh, you talked to Shooter. And other people like, oh, you talked to Shooter. <laughs> so um, take, take that for what it's worth. But he does also have a very specific Spider-Man connection. In addition to bringing aboard writers like Roger Stern and Tom DeFalco, Shooter wrote the infamous Peter and Mary Jane wedding annual. And he was also the main architect of the Secret Wars miniseries, which is, of course, where Spider-Man got the black suit. And so Shooter was a big part of that whole development. So we, with especially since we were kind of coming off the heels of Secret Wars being announced at San Diego Comic-Con as the next big Avengers movie um, in a couple of years, we talked a little bit about Secret Wars. We talked about Peter and MJ and the wedding and just, uh, again, his general legacy at Marvel and uh, with Spider-Man. So Jim Shooter, you know, we got some time with him. Take it away, Jim. This is Mark Chinacchio from the Amazing Spider Talk podcast. I'm here on the floor of Mohegan Sun at Terrificon with comic book industry legend Jim Shooter. Jim, of course, was the editor-in-chief of Marvel for what I like to think is one of the golden eras of Marvel Comics. You know, certainly fans of our show know uh, how much we adore Roger Stern, John Romita Jr. run and the DeFalco Friends run on Amazing Spider-Man. Jim was part of that. Also, Secret Wars, one of my favorite uh, stories of all time. Jim, of course, was one of the big architects of that and so much more. Jim, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Oh, thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah, and sorry for the, the for embarrassing you with the intro here, but <laughs> uh, I, I did want to start with, with Secret Wars only because of the announcement that came out of San Diego Comic-Con last week, which is, of course, is going to be the next big Avengers movie. Yes. And, you know, I, I got to say, you know, we've heard stories from DeFalco and a few others over the years about, you know, how Secret Wars came to be. It's a toy book. It's that. But when you were starting, when you were developing that storyline i mean did, did you ever in a million years think about the impact that story would have and that you know not only was it the first big marvel crossover but now that it would be leading to you know a movie of the same name that's probably going to be a billion dollar property <laughs> well I, I i knew we were on to something big i mean i didn't know exactly where it was going but i mean i mean i knew uh, that that we were doing something interesting and, and revolutionary and it wasn't a toy book basically what happened is Mattel licensed Marvel's characters for superhero toys, and they 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 asked me if we could do anything to get publicity. Right. And I proposed. I said, "How about we do a spectacular 12-issue story with all the major heroes and all the major villains?" And it wasn't like that was exactly my idea because I got that suggested to me in the fan mail like at yeah. least 10 times a day. Right. And uh, and so uh, they they said, "Well, that'd be good." And so I, the only, they were not invasive. I never sent them anything to approve. They didn't ask for anything. They just well, wanted us to get them some publicity. So all we were doing is trying to make the best comic book story we could make. I fortunately had Mike Zeck and, and John Beatty. It do, doesn't hurt to have great art. We just did the best we could. And I, to me, what was going to make it significant and why I thought it would have legs is because we made it part of continuity. We made it an absolutely uh, irrefutable part of Marvel history because the story of Secret Wars falls between the December books and the January books. Those 12 issues, what happens there falls in, in the middle there. So Spider-Man has a red and blue costume when he leaves for Secret Wars in December, and he comes back in a black costume. And I, I'm aware, aware enough of the toy business that... that I knew that Mattel had their, their, their toy, they have their own toy fair in January in Scottsdale, Arizona. The regular toy fair is, is in February. Mm -hmm. 
So the fact that the black Spider-Man costume appeared in January, right before their toy fair, <laughs> and got we got nationwide publicity. Right, right. You know, well that, that that pleased them a lot. And then on top of that, the the issue that it's introduced in the Secret Wars series is issue eight, which is August, right. which is when they're selling in their Christmas toys. Right. So they they were just Double just whammy. thrilled with me, you know, and it didn't hurt my story at all. I mean, it was perfect. It just worked out perfectly, and and uh, you know, and and like uh, I think uh, you know, I worked as close as I could with the other writers to make sure that you know I was st sticking with their continuities that they they had, and I'd approve. You know, I, I I tried not to be a bozo, but I was the boss. I could do anything I wanted, right. but I, I tried to really work with everybody and make it seamless. Yeah, and you know what. It was a good group of people, and, and basically, you know, I had a couple of people grumbled at first, and then uh, then they saw that the sales of their books were jumping up because Secret Wars was drawing people in, and they, 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 they all of a sudden they liked me again. <laughs> I mean, was that challenging to be writing that series and then coordinating as the editor in chief everything else that was going on? I mean, like, did did you kind of have to write notes on your hand or something to get through the day for something like that? Because that just seems like a, you know, a, a management mess to kind of keep up with. I don't know about a management mess, but it almost killed me. I yeah. mean, I was trying to do my editor in chief job. I was trying to do the extra burden of coordinating this massive story with all these other writers and editors. And and then I'm, I have to go home every night and then write till two in the morning. Yeah. And then I'm back at the office at 7 a.m. I mean, you know, it was, it was a grueling period of time, and I was, it was hugely successful. And, and uh, when I finally finished it, it went down to the wire, but we never missed shipping. In 10 years, every book made shipping. Yeah. And uh, so uh, when it was going down to the wire, I, I, uh, I thought, boy, I'm going to take a little, a little break here. So the next day, in early January, I'm, I'm summoned to the president's office. I reported to the president. He was the only guy who could overrule me. He says, this is great. He didn't mean the story. He never opened a comic book in his life, but he could read sales figures. He says, this is great. He says, well, how soon can we have the sequel on the stands? I said, sequel? <laughs> I, said, I said, well, maybe I'll start on it around June. He said, no, you'll start on it tonight. Oh, wow. He said, I want those revenues this year. Yeah. And I said, oh, God. So anyway, I'm right back once more into the breach. You know, I was right back at it. The second time was uh, we made it different. We did it. Uh, we sort of branched into the other titles, and that was that turned turned out to be. Good. I tried to do it different every time. I didn't want to always just do the same thing. Now, the the other big thing we have to ask you about because you know this is just this ongoing debate on our show, and then some is the marriage of Peter Parker and Mary Jane Watson, which of course you you are you are credited with doing. Yes. Um, even though a lot of people who were in the orbit of Spider-Man at that point said, well, I was going to do it, but then I didn't want to do it. And, you know, there's so many versions of well, how no, that was going to happen. So no, how no, did that fall on your shoulders? Nobody was going to do it without my consent. So right. they can say whatever they want. <laughs> but but the fact is, it was um, I was at the Chicago Comic-Con with Stan, and, we were, and Stan was supposed to do a one-man panel, and he catches me in the hall. He said, you got to help me. I said, why? He said, because all the questions are going to be comics. And at that time, he was running the animation. I had his old job. Yeah. And so, so uh, he said, come up on stage with me, and you can answer the questions. And so we did it like a sports broadcast. Somebody asked something about the X-Men, and I'd give them the factual answer. And then Stan would be like the color commentator. He'd tell an old anecdote about him and Jack or whatever. And so it worked out really well. And we get down to the end, and the moderator says, we'll take one more question. Guy in the back says... Uh, this is for Stan. 
when are you, uh, 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 you going to let Peter Parker and Mary Jane get married? <laughs> and the crowd cheers. Yeah. And, and so Stan says, no, wait, no, no, he's, that's not a question for me. He said, he said I'm, I'm not involved in the comics anymore. He said, Jim runs the comics. It's, it, that's all up to him. And then he turns to me and he bounces up and down in his chair and he says, can we, Jim? Can we? <laughs> and the crowd cheers again. You know, and I said, look, I don't care if Stan's in charge of the comics or not. He's Stan Lee. If he wants to do it, we're doing it, you know. And, and uh, you know, it's a jump. I'll, I'll high, you know. So, so anyway, then everybody's cheering and they're leaving. And I said, hey, Stan, now we got to do it. And he's like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so we did. He, we did, tried to coordinate it with the newspaper strip and the book, but it was on two different schedules. Very hard. Uh, but it got done. And, and I was very pleased with it. John Romita did an excellent job on the covers. And we did two covers. They didn't know what was a variant. We didn't know that was a variant. <laughs> we, we didn't. We never heard that yeah, word exactly, used with yeah. covers. <laughs> it was Jim Salakrup's idea, actually, yeah. because... Uh, we were debating, should we have heroes and villains, or should we have civilians, Peter Parker or Spider-Man? And so uh, Jim Salakrup said, well, why don't you do both? Let's, let's do both. And I said, you can do that? He said, uh, TV Guide does it all the time. Yeah. I said, oh, well, if TV Guide does it, it must yeah, be legit. All right, <laughs> sure. So we did it, and we didn't know we were doing variants. We just did it once and never did it again. And then all of a sudden, it becomes a staple of comic book marketing. Right. Are you, were you surprised by just the sheer amount of controversy that kind of followed that story years later? I mean, like, you know, again, when you, when you kind of go back and look at some interviews from some creators who were, you know, they were like, I, I told you that would have been a terrible idea. You can't marry Peter Parker. He's, he's, you know, especially can't marry into a supermodel. I mean, what, what, do, you, what do you say to that? I mean, do, do you, I know part of continuity in comics is that it gets, something always gets retconned, but do you feel like, they shouldn't be. They should be together. They shouldn't be together. I mean, what, what's your take on the well, whole thing? Well, uh, one of the two creators, Stan Lee, w thought it was a good idea. Yeah. Okay. Case closed. Yeah. And if, if some writer or artist, you know, did you know, said, well, I, they shouldn't have done that. Well, yeah. argue with you know Stan if he was still around. Yeah. The fact is, it's like uh, we did it. We did it as well as we could. There's a lot of ways they could have taken it. I don't agree with the ways. I, I left not too long after that. Uh, they, did, they did things with it I wouldn't do. Uh, maybe it was, you know, it could have been done differently or better. But, but the fact is, I wouldn't have had it retconned. I, yeah. I think that's like a cheap cop out. Yeah. Just one more question before you wrap, because I, I want to make sure you sure. get back to your fans here. But you know, obviously, this summer is the 60th anniversary of the uh, first appearance of the Amazing Spider-Man and Amazing Fantasy 15. And you know, we're we're going around the floor here asking everyone who has been affiliated with the character in some shape and form, just you know, what what it means to you personally as a creator to have contributed to this character that is such a pivotal part of you know the the zeitgeist if you will uh, yeah. obviously the marriage and 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 that impact yeah. on the character and his history you know what what do you do you know when you see spider-man in the movies and comics and the media do you ever kind of go back and be like yeah i was i was a part of that i mean do you, yeah, do you feel I, like personally attached well, to that of course yeah. i mean i feel like uh you know I, I look when i was at marvel we had the best team ever assembled archie goodman louise simonson larry Hama. it's like winning the lottery and christmas mm -hmm. all rolled into one I had other great guys, Bob Budiansky, Jim Salakrup, many, many, I had too many to name. I had 14 editors at one point. But the thing is, we all knew, it was, we're, we, I, we knew we were doing something special. We were loving it. 
Larry Hama, a couple conventions ago, said he just couldn't wait to get to work every day. And I know exactly how he felt. And mm. I think we had a, you talk about the, the gestalt, yeah, we, mm. we had something going there and we were doing the best we could and uh, loving it, having fun, and we were creating entertainment and uh, people liked it. Excellent. And boy, that's, that's a really good feeling. Excellent. Uh, Jim, is there anything you want to promote for yourself? Uh, any upcoming appearances or where to find your stuff online or anything like that? No, I, well, I've, I've got an appearance at Roanoke next week. Uh, I've got, I, I have 20 some this year. I, I don't know, <laughs> but but uh, I, I know where I'm going when the tickets arrive in the, in the email. <laughs> but but at any rate, uh, uh, I, I'm not really promoting anything. I'm looking forward to the Secret Wars movie that they're that they're making. I think it's about time. I'm, uh, I'm really happy that, that you know something that I was involved with, you know, is get get. Uh, becomes a, a, a part of American culture. Excellent. Well, Jim, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. That was really awesome, Mark. I wanted to talk to Jim Shooter forever. So I, I was really excited when you told me you managed to nail this. This was kind of like the, if we can, if we can talk to this person, it will have been a success. So that's pretty cool. Our next guests are people we've had on the show before, have tried to get back on the show. They're real fun. Tell us a little about who we're going to listen to next. Yeah, I mean, the next one is we they're two separate interviews, which is kind of funny because they were seated like 10 feet from each other and were shouting at each other during their each of their interviews, uh, making fun of each other, which kind of gives <laughs> you the vibe of who they are. They were Terry Kavanaugh and Howard Mackey. And I got to say, I, I, I preface this by saying, yes, they're returning guests. They are probably part they are part of what is probably my favorite interview that we've done on this show, which was uh, the two of them with the clone saga. But, I mean, that that was just a load of fun and kind of. A nostalgic trip for me that, you know, maybe is a painful nostalgic trip, but a great one all the same. <laughs> um, and, you know, obviously we had them on because they are the main architects of the Clone Saga, although they feud it even in this interview. You know, we, we tried to get them to t talk about other stuff besides the Clone Saga at Terrificon. But of course it gets brought up because... Again, how do you how do you hide from that when <laughs> when the Clone Saga is part of your legacy, especially when Ben Riley is the main part of the book? So we talked to Terry, we talked to Howard, but we did talk about some other stuff. So why don't we we go to the tape and, and hear what else we talked about? This is Marcinacchio from Terrificon at the floor of Mohegan's Sun. Uh, I am here with Terry Cavanaugh. Terry, you've been on the show before with uh, Howard Mackey to talk about the Clone Saga. I promise not to make you revisit all of that again, but uh, I wanted to talk a little more Spider-Man with you if you had a few minutes. So thanks so much for joining us. You're welcome. I'm looking forward to it. And this gives me a chance to refute everything Howard said last time. <laughs> well, I, I, I do have to ask, one of the more most recent runs of Spider-Man had Ben Riley in in the lead seat again, and you know it seems like I think even since we had you guys on a few years ago that the the Clone Saga has just really come back in full force. It, it seems to be held in reverence now um, by a lot of the creators who are currently working on the books, and like you know considering some of the the, the criticism you guys took from back in the day, like. Like, what's, what's your reaction to this? Are you just kind of like, you know, where, where were you 20 years ago? <laughs> I mean, what does it, it mean to you now? No, I sort of understood it. I definitely was vilified in the industry for a long, long time. This is actually the first convention I've done in about 20 years. Oh, wow. So. <laughs> but I understand that the, a lot of the writers now and the creators are people who grew up and Ben Riley was their Spider-Man. 
so they get a chance to revisit that. I, I do think they're putting the poor guy through hell, <laughs> but I guess that's any creator's job to do to a comic book character. We did it to Peter Parker, why not do it to Ben Riley? Right, I was gonna say, I mean, you know, given the fact that Ben Riley's a clone, I mean, do, 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 do you kind of have a, even more so than you would normally have in comics, a bit of, of sympathy for him, like, you know, how, how can you make this guy into a villain now? I mean, yeah. he was, you know, hasn't, like you said, hasn't he gone through enough? <laughs> I'm hoping that won't last forever. Yeah, yeah, I think I think a lot of fans are. I think there are yeah. a lot of fans like, wait, what are you doing to him? With this being the the summer of the 60th anniversary of Amazing Spider-Man's first appearance, obviously you 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 worked with the character for for several years as both a writer and editor. You know, you, you were a key contributor to a story that is truly part of the legacy of the character, whether you, it's fondly remembered or not, regardless of where you, I mean, it's it's a significant portion of the character. And so like when you, when we come up on these big anniversaries like this, do, 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 you, do you feel a sense of either nostalgia or, or pride even to just to be part of that legacy in any way? Do you, or do you not think in those kinds of terms? Mostly I feel very privileged to yeah. have been a part of it. I mean, the character, Marvel Comics, comic books in general, and Spider-Man were all very important to me when I was young and just brought me so much joy and pleasure that the opportunity to have done that myself for other people is immeasurable. Yeah. It really, the joy from that is immeasurable. That That is a win for me. You know, I think when we had you on last time, because we were so focused on the Clone Saga, we really didn't ask about your origins with, with Spider-Man, but, you know, how, how did you come to the character? I mean, was, was, were you always a fan? I mean, do you remember your first issue? I mean, how, how did, how, what was your connection to Spider-Man before you actually started working on Spider-Man? Well, I was a huge fan. So, I don't remember the first issue that I had specifically, but I remember from the first issue that I bought at my local candy store, going to the Phil Suling comic book conventions in New York and getting the back issues and doing all of that. And the reason the Clone Saga, what inspired me about the Clone Saga is I fondly remember that original Jerry Conway story with the, the first appearance of the clone way back when, that I remembered that that ended, it was such a powerful ending. And I just remember thinking, this. The clone wasn't a bad guy. This was two good guys in a bad situation. And how interesting a story can you make out of that? Yeah. And that's why we revisited it. Excellent. Well, Terry, you know, thank you so much for doing this. Is there is there anything you want to be promoting coming up or any other projects you got going on right now? Yes. Howard Mackey and I are working on a project called City of Light. I wish I had a camera. I could show you the QR code <laughs> that will take you to the site. The site is just up. Uh, it's going to be connected with an entire megaverse, games, anime, etc. So look for it soon online, City of Light. Excellent, that sounds really exciting, Terry. I'm looking forward to it. So thanks again for joining us. I really appreciate it. Hope you have a great rest of the con. Thanks for having me. You got it. Bye. This is Mark Giannacchio from the floor of Terrificon here at Mohegan Sun. And I am here with uh, returning guest, 
Howard Mackey. Of course, Howard was one of the great contributors to the story of of Peter Parker and the Amazing Spider-Man for for years. Uh, you you sometimes try to refute credit, but you know, obviously responsible for the Clone Saga, the second volume of Amazing Spider-Man, Peter Parker Spider-Man. I mean, you've been uh, connected to this character for years. Is it guilty as charged, or or you know, a point of pride for you at this point? <laughs> well, it depends. It, it, if you hated the Clone Saga, as I always say to everyone, it was all Terry Cavanaugh's idea. Yeah, yeah. It, if you loved the Clone Saga, <laughs> obviously that all those parts were me. And a little bit of DeFalco and DeMattis. Mm. <laughs> it's just worth noting that Terry is like five feet away from us right now. Um, I, I, <laughs> he could be 50 miles away and he'd hear my voice. <laughs> I, I, I do want to start you with a, with a question I asked Terry a few minutes ago, which was, you know, the most one of the more recent runs of Amazing Spider-Man had Ben Riley as the main character. You know, the, the, the clone is back. Of course, it ends with Ben Riley becoming a villain again. When we had you on a few years ago, we were talking about the Clone Saga and obviously the controversy surrounding that but you know it seems like since that interview even more so that that story has been held in such reverence it's been referenced in a bunch of events that the Spider-Man comics have done and, and new runs and whatnot like when you when you think back to that you know and, and especially with the heat you took at the time are you kind of like you know where where was this love and adoration 20 years ago or or do you kind of just laugh it off at this point <laughs> You, you got to laugh it off. Um, I mean, we, we what what we're getting is validation for what we set out to do, and what we were charged to do. And I, and I, I all kidding aside, I give Terry a lot of credit for inspiring this the the story that we we came up with. And what I get at at conventions like this one all the time is people coming up to me who are closer to your age than mine and saying, well, Ben Riley was my Spider-Man. Yeah. And that's exactly who we were writing the stories for. Yep. It, yeah. was, it was at a time at which so many of the, the fans were aging out of yeah. comics and we felt like Spider-Man 2 was aging as the, as the writers were aging. Right. And we wanted to try to give the readers a jumping on point mm -hmm. younger readers a jumping on point and as I said I get I get people coming to my my table all the time at conventions saying well, I, I, you know, they, they've never heard any of the negative stuff yeah. about the clone side yeah. and that that I think is enlightening as well so yeah I'm, I'm I, I really have no I mean there of course it went on way too long <laughs> I would have I would have preferred that it had stuck to what we originally intended, which mm -hmm. was, it was what, three months yep. of stories. Yep. And I have the original, because I'm a notebook guy, so I have the notebook where we mapped out the three months because we figured it was three months, four titles, that's 12 issues, that's a year's worth of stories. Yeah. And that would still be my preference because then I look at all the stuff where we meandered because we were now spinning in... <laughs> you know, in place because yeah. we weren't allowed to end it. So, yeah. Well, I mean, if it, I hope this doesn't make you like laugh cry, but one of the things I felt that was most effective about the most recent run with, with Ben Riley was it was from the onset of finite number of issues. It's like this, we're going to do 21 installments of this over the next four months right. and that's that. And right. yeah, it, to, to your point, it just, 
you know, having that kind of efficient storytelling just made it work. <laughs> well, and, and you know what? That is a luxury that they have right now that we did not have yeah. then. Because um, we had, we, it was more common for stories and teams to continue. Yeah. You know, um, and, and now, you know, 21 issues seems like a long time yeah. in current comic book Fair. storytelling. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... Uh, yeah, that that you know, good for them. Yeah, you know the other thing we're talking to folks about uh, at the at the con this weekend. You know, it's the it's the 60th anniversary of Spider-Man's first appearance in Amazing Fantasy 15, and obviously, you as a, a major contributor to his story. You know, I, I I don't think when we had you on the first time that we got like your what we like to refer to your origin story with Spider-Man. I mean, were you always a fan uh, of the character? I mean, do you remember your earliest? Engagements or interactions with him, your first comic with him. I mean, what, what, what's what's your story with him there? I, I'm terrible at remembering the first comics yeah. of anything, but what happened was I grew up, I have three older sisters, okay, and so much older sisters. And one of my, my oldest sister is 17 years older than I am. And they so they all had jobs early on when I, I was a wee lad mm -hmm. just learning how to read. And they thought it would be a great idea to look good to their uh, baby brother but every payday back when we used to have newsstands mm. uh, that uh, sold, they would stop by a newsstand and bring me home some comic books. Right. In the very beginning it was the ones that they secretly wanted to read. Right. So a lot of Archie comics and uh, you know Harvey comics with a lot of Lot and Little Dot and Richie Rich and then the first time they brought me home a superhero comic and it was probably a combination of Superman, Batman, and Spider-Man, mm. and I was I was hooked. Yeah, and I couldn't read, but I wanted to know because so they would read the stories to me, or I would just flip through, look at all the pretty pictures, yeah. and wanted to know what was going on. So I taught myself to read at an early age, so I could read comic books. And so Spider-Man was an early love of mine, and then I had a good friend, Johnny Alberico. I remember his name. Winter time when it was too cold for us to do anything outside, we'd go sit. A group of us would sit at his dining room table and we'd pass around John Romita Senior comics, you know, with, with Spider-Man, and try to draw. We would spend a lot of time trying to draw. And so for me, many years later, when my first day on staff at Marvel as an assistant editor, within the first two hours of working there. I was brought down and introduced to John Romita Sr. I was in awe. Yeah. And then later on as an editor, I got to edit Steve Ditko. Yeah. And I remember sitting, and Steve was a great guy. He would come in, turn pages, and be something like Speedball or, or things like that. And he'd bring the pages in, and he'd narrow, narrate his storytelling, which, of course, was super clear. And, yeah. But he would tell you the story. Yeah. Uh, Steve Ditko, usually with a toothpick hanging out of the side of his mouth. And I'm sure everything he said was very interesting, but in my under 30-year-old mind, and uh, forgive me for the language I'm about to use, yeah. but all I was saying inside my head was, this is fucking Steve Ditko. This is fucking Steve Ditko. <laughs> over and over again. Yeah. And he would just come to my office sometimes yeah. and just hang out. Yep. And it was just, it was awesome. So... Yeah, Spider-Man, and then I, I, I got very lucky when I went off staff. I, 
Ghost Rider was my early success, and as right. soon as it was a proven success and it looked like I was leading staff, um, the editor of uh, Spider-Man at that time, who was Danny Fingeroff, came and said, do you want to write Spider-Man? Yeah. And, and I, how do you say no? No, exactly. <laughs> I mean, and you know, we've talked to other creators in the past who have talked about, you know, it's one thing to work on Spider-Man comics in general, but like when you when that request comes for you to work on Amazing Spider-Man, it's kind of like you know you're 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 going from minor leagues to the major leagues, and you know obviously when 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 you did the the second volume, the reboot, you know you worked first with John Byrne, and then J.R.J.R. was on that book with you. I mean you know, and I know you would work with J.R.J.R. on other titles yeah. too, but like. For you to, to, to kind of graduate up and work with these these superstar artists, I mean, like that that I mean, did it blow your mind, or at that point was it just more of the same for you? The 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 amazing Spider-Man stuff was maybe kind of a uh, a kick in the butt, but the the artists they were friends. Yeah, you know, I I knew them all prior to to that. John and I still we have a great time. We make fun of each other mercilessly. <laughs> um, I give him a hard time about drawing every superhero squatting on a rooftop in the rain. <laughs> um, and, you know, and then he just hits me. But And John Byrne, I, I started out, I knew all of these guys when I was an assistant editor. Yeah. And then they just became friends. I mean, Byrne and I are, are still very good friends. We yeah. talk to each other all the time. I'm one one of the guys that he does still talk to. Um, and, um, Which is great. <laughs> oh, no, it is. I mean, we're, we're good friends. So I... I was less impressed. I mean, you know, like I said, the only people that really impressed me in terms of comic book, you know, royalty, yeah. it was John Meter Sr. It, it uh, was Ditko, certainly. And then, you know, look, we all got to have lunch with Dan every once in a while. Yeah. And that, that and he would just hold court and we just hang on every, every word. Everybody else was, they were just... Yeah. They were our colleagues. Yeah, yeah. Just, just, just. You know, John in accounting. No. <laughs> hey, look, I, I just, I, I just. Uh, a few years ago, I, I asked somebody to introduce me to Greg Capullo mm-hmm. uh, at a convention. Yeah. Because I really loved his Batman stuff. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I asked Fabian Nicieza to yeah, introduce yeah. me to, and Fabe looked at me and said, "Howard, you gave." Greg, his first work at Marvel. Yeah. Oh, oh, good for me. I I, I have good taste. (laughs) I just, I mean, I've worked with a lot of people and, you know, mostly it's just, it's a working relationship. Some people I I love, some people like Terry, whatever his name is, I'd like to forget. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Before before we let you go, uh, is there anything you want to uh, promote or any appearances coming up that you want to let people know about or, you know, floor's yours? I should call Terry over here. Did he already promote this? He he did, but you can do it again. (laughs) I I, I realize I got to work on my pitch on this, Terry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people ask me. Anyway, Terry Kavanaugh and I tolerate each other enough (laughs) to talk to each other on the phone occasionally and and uh, you know and we do some work endeavors together and we d- we did we have a small I- i'm gonna call it an imprint right mm. inksmith uh that we do we've done so- a lot of custom comics mm-hmm. for people yep if they're interested in inksmith that's i-n-k-s-m-y-t-h okay. dot com you can check out the website but we've also we've partnered with a an overseas international organization of evil 
that are is looking to take over the world. Is that it? <laughs> Thereabouts. <laughs> but that is uh, very heavily invested in the NFT um, uh, corner of the world, and they've asked us to create some comics for them. Yeah. And we're we're doing that. It's a dystopian future that we're we're really helping develop from the ground up, and it's right. been a lot of fun. Plus. I mean, again, all kidding aside, I get to to work with Terry, who we've known each other in every aspect of our working life together. Right. Uh, we were assistant editors, and I was his editor on a few projects. He was my editor on a lot of projects. Then we co-wrote things together. There's a, a real comfort in our working together. He's one of one of the few people that I have implicit trust in 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 terms of an editor. He, he has no problem, you know, turning me off or turning me around when <laughs> when when needs be. Excellent. And so it's a, it's a good working relationship and we're having a lot of fun with this right now. Excellent. Well, Howard, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I, I will let you get back to uh, the show and the fans and signing stuff, but, you know, uh, we'd love love to have you back again sometime whenever whenever the mood strikes, I guess. Okay. So always, always a great conversation. Thank you. Thanks for talking. You got it. Hundreds of listeners like you hang out in our community of Spider-Man fans on Slack. The amazing Spider-Slack community is absolutely free to join, and you can jump into active conversations with awesome people about collecting, conventions, movies, new comics, old comics, and more. Think of it like the not-toxic Twitter and Reddit Spider-Man communities. Because they're the worst, and this Slack is the best. I hang out there all the time. This week, we've been talking about how John Romina Jr. keeps dropping these videos of him drawing Amazing Spider-Man on Twitter, which kind of spoil major things that are coming up in the comic, but are also kind of awesome and the best marketing tool ever devised. So I guess that's a win. We we have like internet sleuths in the Slack that are like, like it's the Zapruder film. Like we are just taking these videos apart. So we're like... 10 episodes ahead of every or issues ahead of everybody else in breaking down what John Romita Jr. is drawing. So anyway, if you want to be a part of that conversation, come join our awesome Spider-Man community on the Slack. There's a link in the description to this episode. You click there, you sign up, give yourself a handle, jump in, introduce yourself. We're a happy bunch over there and would love to welcome everybody into our community. All right, Mark, so your journey to Terrificon was not nearly over with some of those big names. Tell me a little bit more about your your, uh, weekend there. You know, that seemed to be your Friday. What happened as the weekend continued? Yeah, I mean, I got to be honest, it was the the show was really hopping on Saturday. So I was a little concerned about who I might be able to talk to because, you know, it's always this delicate balance. You you know, the, 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 the creators who are there, I mean, they're there. To, to either work or make money. I mean, you know, so, you know, while it's nice to, you know, to, to interact with fans and podcasters like us, I, I also don't want to like step on their toes for like sketch time and stuff like that or signings, etc. So I did happen to get several interviews on on Saturday. There were also a couple of Spider-Man panels, which we'll have some uh, uh, excerpts from. In terms of the, the one-on-one interviews, four of those guests, I, I feel... They are part of what you would call the unsung heroes of comics, right? They're the inkers. The inkers are great, right? I mean, who doesn't love the inkers? We talk about we, we probably talk about inkers more than most people do, but that's that's their fault, not ours, in my opinion. Frankly, we could be we could talk about inkers more than we do. 
You know, like uh, it's just so hard to find that line between what you think is the inker's work and the penciler's work. But a good inker, you know, you can see it immediately on the page. Absolutely. And I, and I think in terms of inkers, we we have some some pretty renowned ones here on the show. The first one up is John Dell. He's been an inker on uh, various Spider-Man comics for years. He's usually paired off with Mark Bagley, who was also 10 feet away from him. And when that connection got brought up, he kind of in, in typical Bagley fashion, he kind of raised his eyebrow. was like, I can hear you, John. I mean, it's just, <laughs> you know, it's just funny how these guys do this. You know, but he's also uh, John has also inked like tons of issues of Amazing Spider-Man and other series. And he's also inking Bagley in the upcoming adjectiveless Spider-Man series, which is written by Dan Slott. Maybe you'll have some info about that later on. So why don't we but why don't for now we hear from John Dell. Hey, this is Mark Chinacchio of Amazing Spider Talk here on the floor of Terrificon at Mohegan Sun. And I am joined today by artist extraordinaire John Dell. John, of course, um, has worked on. Spider-Man in both Ultimate Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man. I'm sure I'm leaving out other books. Superior Spider-Man. Superior Spider-Man. Case in point. I mean, you've 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 been all over the title for years now. You know, thanks for joining us on the show. Obviously, it's the it's Spider-Man's 60th anniversary, and you know, wanted to talk to some of the creators involved with them. First of all, with you, like, we always want to know like what your origin story with the character is. I mean, were were you always a fan of Spidey growing up? Do you remember your first book? Uh, you know, what, what, what's your connection to the character and, and and getting to work on him? I fell in love with Spider-Man uh, back when Gil Kane and Ross Andrew were drawing it. Yeah. You know, when the big villains were Hammerhead and, <laughs> and Stegron and you know yeah. Doc Ock marrying Aunt May. Uh, so <laughs> I had a big love for the character right off the start, like nine, ten years old. So it's just. To be working on the title is just the, like the, the, the little kid in me just coming alive and dancing in my head. Yeah. Did you have you talked to Jerry Conway? <laughs> yeah. I yet. No, I wanted. I did ride to. I did ride here from the airport in a limo with him. Oh, nice. But I was too embarrassed to actually say, I'm gonna. I didn't want to gush on him. Yeah, so understood. I kept, kept it cool. Kept it professional. Obviously, you know one, one of the one of the big people that you have inked uh, over the years is, is sitting a couple of booths down. It's Mark Bagley. What's been your 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 me Mark, pro- Bagley. Me Mark Bagley? There we go. <laughs> He's worked on Spider Man. I, I I think so. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> uh, what, what 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 is what is that partnership that collaboration been like? You know, I always love hearing from the pencilers and the inkers and kind of like the how they how they work together on stuff like that. I think I'll it's give a, it up for Mark. I Mark is the penciler. I would have loved to have become. Uh, I started out wanting to draw and ink. Instead of inking, I wound up inking because I couldn't draw fast enough. And Mark will put, Mark comes, I think, from the same era as me. He's not afraid to draw anything on the page and lots of it. And I love the fact that he just goes into it, his expressions. Everything he puts on the page is just pure magic. And, and he gives me enough room to hang myself or to make him look pretty, which I really <laughs> like. So it's, 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 it's a really great partnership. And, and just talking to him on the phone, it's a lot of it. This is the first time I've actually met him. Oh, wow. So it's, a, it's a really good meeting with him and, and just really great to talk to on the phone. The great professional. I, I, I love the guy. That's crazy. So th- this happened a few years ago on our show. We had on Nick Spencer and we had them on the show. They were like, oh, this is this is actually the first time we've like talked on a, on a yeah. computer to reach out. And it's like, I'm like thinking to myself, like, I mean, you guys aren't like. Well, yeah, uh, I'm down in New Orleans, you know, and, and it's just we don't really live next door to each other, so okay. it's places like this that we actually get to meet and talk to each other. Yeah, that's 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 fantastic, and you know, obviously, you know, one of the one of the big projects that you've done 
in your career was, was Ultimate Spider-Man. Yes. And, you know, again, kind of looking retrospectively at the, the history of the character, I mean, like, Ultimate Spider-Man opened up the character to, like, a whole new generation sure. of people. And, and, and you, were, you were a part of that. I mean, do you, do you kind of think, like, look, look on that and reflect on that? And, and Again, feel... the little kid in me was doing handsprings the yeah. whole time with it because I'm thinking, like, oh, this is the vulture. Uh, this is the scorpion. Yeah. Uh, you know, just the first time inking Peter Parker was like, I'm inking Peter Parker. Yeah. So it's it's really a big thrill. I'm I'm still such a fanboy. I really yeah. am. Yeah. And, then, you know, when I, when, I ink on the, when I work on those books, it's, it's such a thrill. It really yeah. is. And and when you were working on the on Amazing Spider-Man, you know during the the, the Volume Five era, if you will, um, I mean, what, what, I mean, was was it exciting to be back on the book, like on the main book? Again? I mean, do you think yes. about it that way? I mean, do, do do some creators think like, oh, one's the main book and the other's the B book? Look, or anytime they... he's in his regular costume, I am so happy. I yeah, mean, I, I like all the variant costumes. I love all that the the magic that they're bringing with that the multiverse. But when it's Peter. And he's in his union suit, his original Steve Ditko union suit. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just the happiest. And, yeah. it's, and again, the title, Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. That's what I read growing yeah. up. <laughs> so, yeah. You've addressed this question a few in different forms, but I'm going to just ask it one more because I've, I've been trying to find, end with this one. You know, again, 60th anniversary. You, yeah. You've been a contributor. What, is, what does that mean to you personally that you worked on Spider-Man, that you were part of the story? I feel like I'm part of a really rich history. There's so many names, big names, and so many things attached to the character that, that to me, that I'm actually a part of. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sitting, I'm sitting in class, nine years old, drawing Spider-Man, copying a, a, a Gil Kane drawing a Spider-Man, and now I'm actually working on the book. I mean, mm. that is just, that's crazy. That's yeah. such a lottery. That, yeah. And I, I, I bless my, I, I'm so happy that I'm actually part of that. And like you said, the 60th anniversary. Yeah. I'm a kid trying. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. Is there is there any work coming up you want to promote or things to look out for? Are you are you, you going to be making an appearance in any Spidey books in the future? You think? Or, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, Mark and I are working on a, another story that's kind of been teased so far. Dan yeah. Slott's writing it. Mark's penciling it. Six issues. Don't want to give too much of it away. Right. We're going to try and wrap up the Spidey verse. Right, uh, right. And it's going to have some new nastiness showing up. Yeah. You know. So that's that. I'm. Yeah, look forward to that. That I'm having fun. I'm already working on the third issue, and I'm I'm doing, I'm happy. What's it What's it like working on these multiverse Spider-Man characters? I mean, you know, oh. is, is it is that a, a new level of fun? I mean, do you have to do extra research for these? I know. Uh, I mean, some... I just trace. I don't have to do any. Of that Mark does all the hard stuff. Gotcha. <laughs> Gotcha. Uh, well, John, thank you so much for, for joining us on the show and, you know, enjoy the rest of the con. All right. Thank you very much. You got it. Pleasure. All right. Let's keep this inking train rolling. Who do we have next? Next is Sam De La Rosa. He's another inker who has worked a lot with Mark Bagley, among others, and he's best known for his work on the various Venom and other symbiote-centric comics from the 1990s and early 2000s. These are some formative comics of Dan Gavazin's career here. You know, I had to ask Sam about what it's like inking those damn symbiotes, uh, which we've been told many times over the years, they are a pain in the neck to draw. And then we talk about some of his other work and his current, you know, he's actually retired from comics, but he's loving the con circuit and, and talks a bit about all of that right now. 
Hey, this is Mark Giannacchio from the Amazing Spider Talk podcast here on the floor of Terrificon at Mohegan Sun. And I am joined by <laughs> Sam De La Rosa. Uh, Sam, of course, is a, a Spider-Man artist, uh, probably best known for a lot of your work on Venom and the Symbiotes. We're, we're here celebrating the 60th anniversary of, of, of Spider-Man and all things Spidey. And, and Sam, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. I appreciate that, Mark. I'm just glad to be here with so many great guests, you know, and some of us worked on Spider-Man and just uh, happy that the, the show is showcasing uh, these artists. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I always want to ask people, especially those that we haven't gotten a chance to talk to before, you know, what, what, what is your origin story when it comes to Spider-Man? I mean, were you always a fan of the character growing up? I mean, you know, what was it like to, be, you know, go from being, I'm assuming, a fan of some sort to working on the character too? You know, as, as, a, as a fan, I'm probably the same as everybody else. You know, I, I uh, came across uh, Spider-Man comics in the early 60s. Yeah. First issue that I bought was The Amazing Spider-Man number eight. Mm. I still have it to this day. Unfortunately, it's not in mint condition, <laughs> but that's what got me started. Yeah. So I appreciate the uh, work of uh, Stan Lee yeah. and Steve Ditko, the co-creators of Spider-Man. And that's what got me started. I, I was already drawing. Uh, and once I saw comic books, well, I just started drawing comic book characters. Yeah. So that got my interest and uh, it's held uh, ever since. Now, you know, obviously fast, fast forwarding a bit, when, when, when you got an opportunity to work on Venom Lethal Protector. Of course, at the time, Venom is like the biggest thing in the world. I, I mean, at least at least he seemed like to, to me at the time, you know, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of the creators who worked on him too. I mean, like, what, I mean, what was that like for you to, to kind of get to work on that character at such a key point in like the character's popularity? Well, Mark, it was just very exciting. You know, I, I started work at Marvel in 1982. Yeah. Within a year, I was already working on uh, his stories uh, with his classic costume. I remember first time I worked on it was an issue of What If, and yeah. it was called What If Uncle uh, Ben Had Lived. Yeah. It was like a 50-page book, and I got to work on Spider-Man and, you know, uh, uh, his villains and uh, cast of characters. So the following year, I believe, the black suit was introduced in 84. Yeah. And ab about a month or so after that was introduced i started working on on him in the pages of marvel team up annual number seven. Oh wow so i okay. tell people i worked on venom yeah. before he was venom right so right. like it wasn't until 88 that he was created as venom <laughs> and he was just such an exo exciting character it was cool to work on spider-man in the black suit yeah unfortunately it wasn't any easier yeah. that you didn't have to do all the webbing yeah it still took time because he was all in black and you had to highlight his form and muscles yeah so that took just the same amount of time but you know venom was such an exciting character marvel came to me six months before the the series uh, was going to debut and they said sam we want you on the team but you can't tell anyone right so for six months i couldn't uh, couldn't say a word but yeah. just happy to be part of the team now, you mentioned it not being easier in the black suit. You know, we, we had talked to, to Mark Bagley a few years ago, and he had talked about what a pain in the neck it is to draw the symbiote. So from, from your standpoint, like, do, 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 you, do you share that, that, uh, that, that opinion? <laughs> I, I enjoy the symbiotes. Yes, they, they are tricky and time-consuming. Yeah. But, you know, you got two female symbiotes. You got Scream and Agony. You got uh, Phage, Lasher, and Riot. Mm -hmm. They're just 
different forms of venom and carnage. So I, I've, I've always in, enjoyed it. You know? Fast forwarding again a few, you know, into a few years ago when the Venom movies came out. I mean, yes. you know, that, that obviously revived a lot about the character. I mean, you know, he, he seems to be everywhere again. I mean, not that he necessarily ever fully went away, yeah. but, but, you know, so is that, is that like a point of pride for you that it you It sure is, yeah. Mark. Yeah, it sure is because Venom has always been popular. Uh, you know, I've been going to shows since the book debuted. When it first debuted, I got flown out to a store you know, sold a thousand copies of that book, you know, the first the first day. And it, he's been going strong ever since, you know, he's in merchandising. But once the movie was announced, and once I saw that, hey, they're using Venom Lethal Protector, mm -hmm. the whole six issue series, yeah. they're also using Venom Separation Anxiety mm -hmm. one through four yep. that I also worked on. Yep. Plus they're using uh, a bit of Planet of the Symbiotes. Well, that's, 10 books alone that I got to work on. So yeah. I was just very excited and I just felt fortunate that, you know, stuff I got to work on uh, was chosen to be made into movies. Yeah, just as a kind of uh, capper on the conversation here, you know, again, with the with the 60th anniversary of, of Spider-Man and mine, and, you, and you, you hit on it, you know, you got to work on some key points in the character's history before they were really key points. I mean, even like the what if story, you know, like what if it's kind of like the, the OG uh, multiverse, I feel, for, yeah. for Marvel. So what, what does it mean to you personally that you got to be a part of this character's story and, you know, a part of, you know, a significant part of Marvel history? You know, it, it wasn't until after I retired from doing comic books that, you know, I was able to, you know, just reflect and, and appreciate the the opportunities that I got from from all companies, you know, including Marvel, especially on Spider-Man. You know, they they trusted me with the character. I worked uh, for Danny Fingeroff, the Spider-Man editor, for so many years, yeah. and uh, just very happy that uh, they had uh, confidence in me to continuously give me work. They gave me so much work, I I had to turn it down, like. Danny, I gotta sleep, so I cannot work on <laughs> Spider-Man 365, the hologram issue. Right. I gotta sleep. But I, I really appreciate it, you know, that they uh, looked at me, you know, in, in such light. I, I, I know you said you're, you're retired, but do you feel like you have any more, at least from a Spidey standpoint, any storytelling left in you for that? Or? Yeah, you know, I, I, I would love to, you know, continue working in comics, but the pay is not the greatest, yeah. you know, unfortunately, yeah. uh, I could not make a good living. I have a wife and three school age kids at yep. this point. Yeah. And with what they pay in comics, I, I cannot manage that. I, I, I do very well at, at weekend shows. Uh, it's not a, it's not hard work. Right. Working on comics is hard work. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a solitary, isolated job. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that I got to do that for decades, but I'm even happier now that I get to talk to the people who appreciated the stuff I got to work on. Definitely. <laughs> um, you got uh, any appearances coming up or anything you want to promote for yourself, where to follow you or anything like that? I or? do. Okay. Would you believe, Mark, that I have an appearance <laughs> just about every weekend? Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> you, you make it's, the rounds. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a month down the line or anything like that. <laughs> I can only go to shows as a guest of that show. Gotcha. I couldn't pay my way where I want to go. so. Right. I get offers from all across the country to be at their show. They pay expenses. I come, and then I hope to, to sell to make it worthwhile. You know, to leave my family and right. continue. Uh, you know, paying bills and stuff like that. Yeah. So I, 
I'm, a, I'm all across the country. I'm in other countries also. Um, been to Costa Rica, Honduras, Canada, Dubai. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, um, so, so you, you make, you, uh, yeah, you get Ireland, around. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to, you know, the world opening up soon. Yeah. And then I can, I can get out some more. Excellent. Well, Sam, thank you so much for joining us. It was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it, Mark. And people can follow me on social media. Uh, search artist Sam De La Rosa on both Instagram and Facebook. Awesome. Great. Have a good one, man. Thank appreciate you. Appreciate it. Great. You know, I, I love hearing from these inkers and Sam was an awesome guest. So who do we have next, Mark? Next, we have Tim Townsend, who just finished up a stint inking Chris Bachelo on Nonstop Spider-Man. Tim was a lot of fun. I, I got to tell you, Dan, we've been asking variations of this question for years about, you know, what it means personally for people who have worked on Spider-Man. But I got to say, Tim, probably maybe... Second to Ron Friends, because I know you made him cry when you asked him this. So, um, so, I mean, let's face it. When it comes to genuineness, nothing tops Ron Friends. But this is a close second. Uh, Tim Townsend's answer to that question I thought was pretty remarkable. He was just a lot of fun. And I think someone we should we should definitely consider as, as a returning guest on this show next time he's working on the series, because he just seems like a lo load of fun and just a great guy to talk to. So, Tim, take it away. This is Mark Giannacchio from Amazing Spider Talk on the floor once again from Terrificon here at Mohegan Sun. And I am joined by Tim Townsend, comic book artist. And, you know, most recently we've seen some of his work on Spider-Man stories like Nonstop Spider-Man. Tim, how you doing? How's the show going for you so far? Doing great, man. I'm in love with this show. Yeah, This is fantastic. Yeah, it's very Best venue ever. It's very comics oriented, yeah. which, I, you know, you don't get the... No, I was noticing that yesterday. I'm not seeing like a lot of anime or... Not that there's anything wrong with that, right? But right. It seems very comic and art centric. Well, well, Tim. Obviously, I mean, you've worked on a, a bunch of, of superheroes over the years, but you know, we're we're, we're a Spider-Man show, so we always want to <laughs> ask people, you know, well, wait, what, what if I want to talk about the X-Men? Well, you could. I mean, you know, <laughs> we like we like all comics, but yeah, <laughs> we, we always like to ask creators about like their origin stories as it relates to Spider-Man. I mean, you know, you've you've done some some fun stuff over the years with the character but like do you do you have a special affinity towards him do you remember some of your earlier stories with oh, him oh man or who doesn't love spidey uh i'm trying to think my oh man i think honestly i think my very first the very first book i worked on with spidey in it was when i was working with uh joe Matarera on uncanny x-men can't remember the issue number offhand but there was they had spidey on the cover mm -hmm. spidey through the through the entire issue and actually i think that's one of the best issues we did of our our whole run yeah yeah. But, uh, jo and Joe has Joe has one of my favorite takes on the character ever. Is that the one with Jonah and he's got like the disc yep. or something? Yeah, yep. that's, that's yep. a great. That's yep. a great. It's an underappreciated yeah. Spider-Man by another story. And arc. it was yeah. like all Spider-Man yeah. through, throughout an X-Men. See, I got to talk about the X-Men. Yeah, there see, you go. See what we I did it. there. <laughs> <laughs> talk to me a little bit about nonstop Spider-Man. I mean, that that was such a. It, it, it seems like a, a very unique. Con yeah. <laughs> so so I mean, what 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 was it like working on that? It's from from your standpoint as the anchor. I mean, like it just seemed. It was like, literally nonstop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but it's also like in terms of the way the visuals push the storytelling it's right. like very you know compare it to something you would get in like amazing spider-man it, it, it was very different so like what how do you approach a book like that from your standpoint get a lot of sleep because <laughs> it's going to be a long day yeah uh every single page of i remember talking to uh chris chris Pichalo about that and i think like three issues in we were just like oh my god this really literally is non-stop yeah it was just so dense lots and lots of work but very uh very gratifying I mean, you know, as a comic book fan, you know, 
I mean, you're busting your butt working, but at the same time, it's like a nerd dream. Yeah. You know, everything that was going on in that book. Yeah. It's, it's funny, I've been talking to a couple of anchors today and they had mentioned like, you know, John Dell sitting next to Mark Bagley and he's uh -huh. like, this is, the, this is the first time I've actually ever met him in person. And it, like, it, which, which just seems wild to me. So, yeah. you know, you've obviously, you know, worked with some amazing pencilers over the years in terms of Joe Mads, Chris Bocklow. I yeah. mean, like, what's, what's, what's your rapport like with, with them? I mean, is, 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 do, you, do you like hang out? Do you, do you talk I, on the phone? I, I mean, what's the process for I, you guys? I, I, I'm a pretty friendly guy. I'm a hugger. I'm, yeah. you know, I'm one of those guys. I, I'd have, I have a hard time working with someone for any length of time without kind of even inadvertently uh, getting to know them some some better than others but i mean you know joe mad he was he's like he's like a little brother he's one of my best friends mm -hmm. even though we don't you know we don't keep up like on a daily basis or anything we always you know hit the ground running when we do chris uh Bichalo, i mean god i've been with him longer than my wife <laughs> i think we worked together for like uh 22 three years something like that so yeah, yeah. you know you don't work you know that this closely this symbiotically with somebody that long without you know developing a, a friendship is there any spidey adjacent either characters or or concepts or whatever that you haven't had a chance to work on yet that you really want to dive Ooh. into at some point personally you know and being an anchor yeah. i think uh, a lot of the stuff that i i have the most fun with tends to be textural mm. like opportunities to play around with texture and like the 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 shed story that chris and i did yeah with Zeb Wells was that's goes down in my mind as one of my favorite projects. You know, just yeah. lizard scales everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I had an absolute. Chris and I both had an absolute uh, blast on that. And the writing it was just that's that goes as one of my favorite projects yeah, for sure. Yeah. Something we we always like to ask everybody, and I think it's especially relevant with the 60th anniversary this summer. You know, as someone who has contributed to the story of Spider-Man, you know, both in Amazing and in uh, Nonstop and elsewhere. W what does it mean to you personally that you, you were a part of this oh, great character's uh, narrative? You know, it's not, <laughs> when, I hear, when I hear somebody like you uh, say it that way, it kind of yeah. gives me tingles because I don't really think about it that way. Would it be cheesy to just say, I'm just happy to be here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, wow, when you put it like that, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's obviously it's an, it's an honor you know, to think that I brought anything at all to, to the character that, you know, raised me. Yeah. It's hum it's humbling, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's humbling. Excellent. Well, yeah. where where can we see some of your work coming up in the next couple of months? Right at this minute, I'm doing some Spider-Man, I think they're all Spider-Man related covers with Ryan Stegman. Oh, nice. I don't have any, I don't have any like big projects lined up right now. I'm just kind of focusing on cover work at yeah. the moment yeah. and kind of taking it easy for a while. But, yeah. uh, the stuff with uh, Ryan Stegman's really, really fun. Yeah, he's a troublemaker. We've had him on a couple yeah, of times. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he is. He is. We tolerate him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, excellent. Well, well Tim, is, is there any way we can follow you, you know, buy your work online, anything like that that you want to plug? Or? Yeah, I mean, just you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. I'm not a Twitter guy, but uh, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. Just look up, you know, Tim Townsend. And, you got it. Yeah, you'll see a lot of pictures of my dog in the hot tub. That's uh, you know, that's kind of the content I'm looking for yeah, on, on yeah. social media. Not a lot of comic stuff, a lot of dogs in hot tubs. I, you know, people say to me, your Twitter stuff is all like, you know, baseball and dogs now. I'm like, yeah. well, that's, that's really all I want to talk about. Yeah. Because everything else is just exactly. so toxic right now. Exactly. <laughs> so, anyway, well, Tim, thanks so much for, for taking a few minutes. Absolutely. Really appreciate it. Have a great rest thanks of the show. Thanks for having me. You, you got it. You weren't wrong about that interview, Mark. Tim is a really, sounds like a really great guy. Who was your last anchor that you talked to? 
the last person I spoke to on Saturday was Keith Williams, who has been a professional comic book artist since the 1980s and has inked several Spider books, including Amazing Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man, and of course, Adjectivalist, the original version. Also, just on a fun note, and this was also a good icebreaker for Keith, he's going to be making an appearance at an upcoming very small Comic-Con in my hometown of East Rockaway, New York, which I was kind of like, how did you get hooked up with this? And it's it's we didn't talk about it on online, but it was an interesting story. <laughs> Nevertheless, let's let's bring Keith Williams on because, like, you know, he's probably the only other person besides me who can find my hometown on a map. So let's go. So this is Mark Giannacchio once again on the floor here at Terrificon for Amazing Spider Talk. And I am talking to comic book artist Keith Williams. Now, Keith, of course, has worked on Spider-Man several times over over the years, whether it's Amazing Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man, Web of Spider-Man, tons of other books and appearances. <laughs> and, you know, that's not just all that he's worked on, of course. But, you know, as a Spider-Man podcast, that's what we want to talk to you about. So, so Keith, thanks so much for joining us. How's the show going for you so far? Oh, it's going great. Had a Great Friday, you yeah. know, a lot of fans. Uh, yeah. Let me say, we've been to this show a few times over the years, and, and this is far and away the busiest I've seen in here. So, I mean, it's it's good to see that the cons are coming back and, you know, people are out and enjoying it, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I did want to ask you, as a, as a first-time guest on our show, uh, we always like to ask people about their, their origins with Spider-Man. You know, I, it's... It might be an obvious question, but, you know, were you always a fan of the character growing up? And, and how did that kind of play into your opportunity to finally work on him? Oh, I, I, I love the character. I watched the show, uh, mm-hmm. the, anim, uh, the animated show on uh, Channel 7, you know, like uh, when it came on Saturday morning. Yeah. So, yeah, um, and, I, and I was reading the comic book even before that. It, it was one of the things that uh, made me interested in becoming a comic book artist. You know, like I love drawing. And uh, that, that was uh, one, of the, one of the things. And after I finished uh, college, I was lucky enough to be able to uh, do background artwork on uh, Marvel, Marvel Team Up mm-hmm. with Spider-Man and right. you know, like whoever else was right. going to be in there. The hero I, du jour. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And uh, I was working uh, over with uh, Mike Esposito, who's the anchor. Mm-hmm. So he would do the figures and I would do all the background work. So nice. I got to see... And actual Spider-Man pages right, uh, right, at that right. time. So yeah, that was my, you know, like uh, my introduction into the world of Marvel and uh, and and Spider-Man as a as a professional. Yeah, you know, as a, as an anchor, you know, you're 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 working with a lot of different pencilers who you know all bring their own style and approach to you know obviously a character so when you're when you're working on someone like spider-man across different titles and you know years and whatnot like as a as an anchor what what do you do you have a different approach for different pencils or or do you you know how do you approach each 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 commission i guess if you will for for that yeah that's true it 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 all depends on who i'm working over sometimes i i I could work with a focal pen or a brush yeah Cocoa pen has more of a mechanical feel to it, mm-hmm. while brush has more organic. Yeah. So it all depends on who the penciler is. If, if it's more, if it would be uh, somebody like I guess, oh, uh, uh, Ron Friends, mm-hmm. I could I could use I could use a brush. He has yeah. a more organic kind of feel to it. Right. Whereas uh, I, I'm trying to figure out a, a penciler who's uh, more. <laughs> Yeah. Who's more like a pen, but um, right. I guess Greg Capullo, you know, oh, like wow. I worked yeah. on him uh, yeah. on uh, Quasar. I kind of like bounced between a pen and a, a, a and a brush, you know. He, he had that kind of like feel. 
yeah. and and I try to make sure that the essence of the pencil is in, is in there still. You know, yeah. like I don't try to smother it. I, right, I don't right. do that. Is there anything specific to Spider-Man from an inking standpoint that either stands out as a as a good thing or maybe a, a pain in the neck? I, I was <laughs> talking to um, Sam De La Rosa earlier, and he was like. Even black suit Spider-Man is still a pain in the neck to draw with the webbing sometimes. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> because you got to know your anatomy. Yeah. So even with the black suit, you still got to show highlights. Yeah, yeah. So it's like reverse, it's actually like reverse highlights yeah, on, on, yeah. on uh, the black costume. And then, and then on the regular costumes, the webbing. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, like after a while, you figure out, you know, like, you know, your own little trick on how to do the webbing so that it doesn't drive you crazy. Yeah. And, and it actually looks consistent. Yeah, so, yeah. But but uh, I, I would say that those are the those, those are the things and and in the more recent Spider-Man drawings, you know, like he's he's really like I don't know triple flexible or something yeah. like that. So, <laughs> so like you know you got the Lego behind the head and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, so yeah. so I, I think that's really crazy, but it's also kind of fun too. You yeah. Know? Like, but but that could be that could be a little nuts to figure yeah, out. Yeah, definitely. And and yeah. and you know you came up at, at, at a time a lot of your work in the '90s. You know you had the McFarlands and the Larsons, and then maybe more classical artists like an Alex Saviak and stuff like that. So that really must like make it make it challenging for you to kind of just you know keep oh, yeah, it. Figure keep... out which one you want to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah well, I, I like I I, I I do like the McFarlands yeah, you know, like yeah, stuff, yeah. but I also love the Mometer. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, um, work that he did you know yeah. like, it was absolutely incredible stuff it, it, it had a solid feel to it I really yeah. I really love that yeah. I really love that stuff and I think that, that might be more what I lean towards but I always throw in a little bit maybe of McFarlane or you know like uh, Lawson yeah <laughs> yeah too and, and, and Dicko yeah Dicko, of because I like the I like the skinnier Spider-Man right like, not the, you know like the really simple yeah uh, the skinnier one makes him look more like a kid I guess yeah and I still like the fact that that's what he started out as, you know, like a yeah. high school kid, and I think that related to me when I was, you know. Yeah, like definitely. Yeah. One of the things we ask creators sometimes, especially those who've worked on Spidey on different books and and then ultimately on Amazing Spider-Man, is, you know, some some talk about how when I worked on Amazing, I felt like I I graduated to like the the major leagues from the minor leagues, and you know, I I'm, I'm curious did. did did that ever cross your mind when you worked on ASM versus Web of or Spectacular or Team Up or anything like that? Or were you just happy, you know, work is work and you were just happy to be working on the character in any capacity? I, I was happy to work on a character in any capacity. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, I mean, you're working on Spider-Man. Yeah. I mean, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, even for a little while, I was an assistant editor on the book. Mm -hmm. Uh, for about nine months, yeah, uh, yeah. which was absolutely amazing yeah. to, to work on the flagship character yeah. of Marvel Comics. Yeah, my mind was blown. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, like so, so it was like work was fun. It was nail biting. Yeah, it was it, it was, but it was always a great experience. The the last thing I just wanted to ask you about again with the with the kind of the backdrop of this being the 60th anniversary year. You know, as someone who has worked on a character as iconic as Spider Man. What does it mean to you personally that you've contributed to the Spider-Man mythos or narrative? I mean, like, do you, do you, do you think in that kind of broad terms, or are you just like, uh, you know, it was a gig? I, yeah, like, uh, well, it was, it was, it, it was, it was fun. It was a dream come true. Mm -hmm. Never thought I'd really do it when I before I started doing it. Yeah. Uh, no idea. Spider-Man, <laughs> like I mean, my God, yeah, uh, it, 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 it's 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 something that 
what was incredible when I was doing it that I will never forget that I've done it. Oh, it, it is a job, but it's, it's such a cool job. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much fun. It's something that I love to do. Yep. And yeah. Yeah. And then you can come to places like this and have people, you know, ask you obscure questions about what you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always fun. Yeah. And the fans are cool. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It, it's great being here. Definitely. Well, uh, is there any place where we can find more of your work or upcoming appearances you want to promote or anything like that? Well, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I, I will be um, in uh, Cincinnati Comic Con, uh, Colorado Comic Con. Mm -hmm. um, there's also the Fan Expo Boston mm -hmm. uh, that, that's coming up soon. And uh, there's, there's a bunch of other shows, too. I just yeah, can't remember. Right definitely. <laughs> well, Keith, thank you so much for, for taking a couple of minutes out. And I, I hope you enjoy the rest of your con here. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you got it. Thank right. you so much. All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that conversation you had with Keith Williams. Uh, he sounds like another fun person that we could have back on the show. Earlier, you mentioned that you went to a number of panels. You know, it's celebrating Spidey's 60th. Tell us a little bit about some of them. Yeah, well, the the, the, the 60th anniversary of Spider-Man panel, that had Jerry Conway, Dan Jurgens, which was... I never heard Dan Jurgens talk about Spider-Man before, so that was pretty fascinating to, to, to hear that connection. Terry Kavanaugh, of course, and Howard Mackey, they were back. Immediately after, we had the great John Romita Jr. on, on as a panel. It was a one-on-one -on -one with John Suntras from Word Balloon. I had tried to connect with JRJR earlier during the con, but I got to tell you, he was swamped. In fact, he was so swamped at one point during the signings, Howard Mackey came over to him with a sketchbook and said, hey, John, can you give me one of your favorite Spider-Man poses? You know, him stooped over on top of a building in the rain. Because <laughs> this is like <laughs> something apparently Mackey just likes to harass J.R. J.R. about. We, and when we had J.R. on, he said the same. He likes drawing superheroes in the rain. And he talked about that. And Mackey just was killing him for it all weekend. Uh, so much so that Mackey will appear again during this panel but I don't know what it's going to say. We have we have excerpts of it courtesy of John Sutras because I had some technical difficulties in getting my own audio. So I, I do you know want to spend special thanks out to John for for giving us uh, access to his Word Balloon podcast to use some of the audio here. I just thought this was really relevant because. You know, in addition to the Mackie conversation, J.R. J.R. talks a little bit about working with Zeb Wells and just some some other recent stuff that he's uh, been doing. So why don't why don't we let the great John Ramita Jr. once again take it away on our show? Zeb is uh, I told it I told him this in an email that he's challenging, but it's not a bad challenge. It's it, it would be boring had he not been challenging. He yeah. asks he asks uh, in, in a microcosm. I'll give you an example. Uh, everything happens at 11.59 on New Year's Eve in Times Square <laughs> with both groups of villains and good guys fighting at the same time. Panel two. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's a brilliant, brilliant writer, and he's challenging, and that's the best thing about it because then I don't tend to do the same old garbage that I've done in the past. And that's the great thing about working with a, a young guy. And unfortunately, I'm older than all the writers I work with. I can't uh, do anything about that. That's all right. So they bow. They say, oh, no, we, we think you're experienced. <laughs> so they give me latitude and they give me, they let me play with the story. And that's the best thing about it. Hobgoblin. Okay. Oh, by the way, I ripped off the Green Goblin. Complete rip off of the Green Goblin. <laughs> do not be impressed. I turned back the money I got on the royalties because I was so embarrassed. <laughs> 
I said, I'll give it to Steve Ditko, but he had passed already. So, oh, okay, all right. So, okay, so you get to draw Norman Osborn and this new Hobgoblin coming out in Amazing Spider-Man number seven. What can you tell us about this, this story? That I despise drawing Norman Osborn's hair. It is gross. You have no idea. I asked Scott Hanna, who works with me on the character. We hate it. It's more than annoying. Uh, all I can tell you is I can't tell you anything because the uh, Hobgoblin is now a mystery again. Yes. But that's the best thing about it. Now, Zeb Wells took a, a very uncomfortable situation about nobody being able to tell who it was, and then we always admitted who it was. He's got everybody on the hook, including me. He ha- I, maybe because he hasn't decided himself. So you don't know who the Hobgoblin is? I, if I did, I couldn't tell you. And I'm a lousy liar. In, in a, a casual conversation, even while I was with DC, I said, if I, somebody said, what would you do if you went back to Marvel? I said, well, I'd love to do Spider-Man again, Daredevil and everything else. And I, I forgot which characters I mentioned. And the editor of the book heard that conversation and said, when, he, when I was told that I was going to be offered a contract, he called me and said, you know, we'd like to have you and Scott back on Spider-Man and we'll do this, this, and this. He got Zeb Wells. They didn't offer anything else. Uh, maybe that was now they did say you have a choice between the, uh, the X-Men and Spider-Man and I said how about we do Spider-Man first and then I'll get on the X-Men and I'll try it and now that's doing well enough and then they said how about Daredevil so there's suddenly things but the sales on Spider-Man are strong and they don't want to buck the system and as long as uh, as long as the stories are this good and that writer is Zeb I'm really enjoying myself I'm having a good time I, I think I'll stick with this for now but who knows what's going to happen next year we'll see what happens now, if I hit the lottery, I'm going to go disappear to, <laughs> to the Bahamas. <laughs> really long-time fan. <laughs> I have a two-part question. Is it true that when you were younger, you wanted to be a meteorologist? And part two, what is your favorite position to draw a hero, specifically Spider-Man? I never wanted to be a meteorologist, but I wanted to be a, an astronaut. So sure. if I got high enough, I could drop shit on your house. <laughs> uh, what was the second question? What, what, what position on a cover in particular do you really like to... It ties into the first one. I love putting a character on a rooftop in the rain. All right? Is that what you want? All right. Johnny, that's truly, absolutely. The first image I ever saw of you drawing was Daredevil All right, in the now, rain. In, in fairness to me, when I was a kid and there was no, nothing except the three networks and the movies yes, on the weekends, yes. and if it's raining, my father said, give me a kid, watch this movie. It was a Philip Marlowe, it was Humphrey Bogart with a hat and a collar, and it was raining all the time. Absolutely. Then as I got educated in art, it was French art, was a film noir. Uh, so it was something that I always admired about the mood. And I have been, I vowed to do every character I've ever drawn in the rain somewhere. And Howard apparently doesn't like it. And by the way, wait till you see what I'm doing in your book. <laughs> There's no characters. It's just effing rain. <laughs> we'll talk about that when we work on our next project together. Oh, my God. That's awesome. And then the inkers, oh, by the inkers, uh, Klaus yeah. and Scott, Hannah, they scream. I can hear them without the phone. They scream because it's a lot of details and all the... Although I haven't done a full book in the rain. I've only done a couple of pages and a lot of covers. Thank you, Howard, for being such a pain in the ass. No, the, I truly don't. When is your panel next? You missed it. When is your, I missed your panel. 
yeah. crap. The last one. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Well, you know, I can't get enough of John Romita Jr., both in speech and in artwork. But it was also great to hear John Centris. Uh, you know, Word Balloon has been a favorite of mine and, you know, crazy podcast crossovers going on here. But Dan, I was not the only one to have lots of fun over the last couple of weeks. It sounds like you were up to no good. So why don't you tell us about your journey? Yeah, sure, Mark. Uh, I Like I said earlier, I've been on a bit of house arrest over the past two months, uh, you know, in, in a good way, you know, caring for my newborn son while trying to avoid giving him or his mother COVID. But I was able to sneak out to the beachside town of Ventura to hit up a comic shop called Arsenal Comics and Games. They do amazing signings at their two different locations. They have one in Ventura and one in Thousand Oaks. For Californians out there, you can take the 101 to the, I'll leave it, I'll leave that alone, but <laughs> the Californians, but yeah, so like I had been there before I, I went to a, a, a Rob Liefeld signing of all things for issue 900, they uh, commissioned a special variant cover from artist Todd Nock to showcase this local landmark called the Two Trees in Ventura, California. The cover has Spider-Man and Groot hanging out, looking over the city and beaches of Ventura. And if you go on, if you're someone who uses like the CLZ app, like I do to collect all of my things, you'll see it right in there. There is a variant cover that you can only get from this comic shop. So um, in order to celebrate the cover, they invited Dan Slott, Zeb Wells, Daniel Kibblesmith, and Todd Nock, all creators whose work appears in Amazing Spider-Man number 900, to do a signing there. And I was able to sneak in early, you know, like my version of a press pass uh, to talk with all of them. But, you know, I think Arsenal wasn't really quite aware of what they like kind of the hit they had on their hands like the line got long super quick i was only able to talk to them for a little bit i talked to zeb not on microphone unfortunately and got a little bit of some hints about his run that i won't spoil here and and he's just a really nice guy and you know i hope to get him appearing on the show uh soon i was able to get dan slot on the microphone because if i was going to choose between the two of them dan slot has been like the guy we've been chasing after for a really long time. And he was so nice and so great, you know, gracious in talking to me. And I definitely fanboyed out a little too hard. Mark, you know, I get very excitable and, you know, I, I, I worry I, maybe I freaked him out a little bit, but uh, I'm sure he's used crazy <laughs> fans in a negative way. So hopefully I was crazy in a positive way. Anyway, we, we did a short interview and you know, while the, you know, people at Arsenal were telling me to wrap it up because the line was about to come in. So I got what I could guys, you know, hopefully you'll enjoy some of his answers to some of my, my uh, kind of broad questions about the 60th anniversary. So I I'm going to say it, take it away, Dan slot. I'm here with none other than Dan Slott, a, a legend around these parts. Hello. And uh, Dan, I just kind of wanted to get, you know, a brief I'm, kind of... I'm talking to you through a mask. Yes, we are both talking through a mask. So, uh, Anyone can wear the mask. And in this case... Everyone should wear the mask. Yes, it's responsible to wear the mask. Yes. So uh, we uh, are, right, 900th issue... Two and you two have a, pages. Hey, look, you know what? You, <laughs> take take those two pages. Oh no no no! That I, Nick Lowe, the uh, editor of Spider Man. We they knew we were coming back. Me and Bagley for uh, Spider Man One, 
And he reached out to me. He's like, would you like to do a story for the 60th? And I pitched him the story, and he's like, oh, that's really good. And I'm like, you want to, you know, it's going to go in Amazing Fantasy 1000. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 I want to be a 900. <laughs> he's like, why? He's like, I want to keep the streak going, man. What <laughs> kind of curse do you have on Marcos Martin? Oh, 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 no. But the, okay, so the thing is, is like, well, we really like the one, you know, the Amazing Fantasy 1000. I'm like, dude, just let me. Two pages. Two-page story. Let me get in there. <laughs> let me keep the streak going. Come on, man. 600, 700, 800, 900. Let me keep the streak. Let me keep the streak. Let me be the centennial man. And he was like, all right. So, yeah. Um, I pitched him that story, and I said I could get Marcus Martin on it. Marcus does not do interiors anymore. He just doesn't. Unless your name is Dan Slott. Uh, yeah, no, I'll call him up and I'm like, dude, you want to do a one-page story? And I'm like, what? For Marvel Comics 1000? Come on, one page, one page. You know, what's it about? And I tell him, he's like, all right, for you, I'll do that. And then like, I call him up and I'm like, dude, they asked me if I want to do a Conan story. And he's like, I've never done a Conan story. I'm like, no, I know. I've never done a Conan story. And I'm like, what if I got it down to six pages? Could you do it with six pages? And he's like, I could do it with six pages. Let's do Conan. Let's do Conan. And then this was like, we'll be in 900. Come on, two pages. 900, two pages. Come on. He's like, what's the story? And I tell him the story. And he's like, oh, I will draw that. For you, I will draw that. <laughs> it, it's sad to hear you say that because his layouts are so wonderful. You know, like there's a real artistry, obviously, to that. And to have him kind of step away from that. Well, he's working on Fridays on Panel Syndicate, Create Our Own Book with right. Brian K. Vaughn. And, no, with Ed Brubaker. With Ed Brubaker. Fridays is wonderful. Everyone should be reading Fridays. Absolutely. So, okay, we're here to talk about Spider-Man. Yes. Though. So, like, it's the 60th anniversary of Spider-Man. Yes. Right? Which is a big deal. And, Huge. you know, you have, you know, said a lot about your contr contribution to the character in that you, you've been on it for so long and you wrote so many titles. I'm curious to you, like, you had this tweet a little while back about, like, there are some indelible aspects to the character and mm -hmm. other things that people add that like last for a little while and disappear. Like I'm curious what you think the indelible parts of the character are and like what maybe you contributed that you consider or hope will be indelible. Well, I think the indelible things I've given to Spider-Man are tech suits, the ability to jump through other portals. <laughs> <laughs> Not related. All, all, the, all the things you think about with a street level character like Spider-Man. Uh, and brain swapping. Yeah, so I think those are indelible. No. No. You say that, but we have a Spider-Verse, multiple Spider-Verse movies, and <laughs> Lord knows a superior movie, I'm sure, is, is someone is reading that book and going, could we do this? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I think Alfred Molina might be a little too... Uh, well, you never know. You could CGI anything. You, you don't even need him. You just, you just, he could be a decaying corpse. And, oh, no. And, and then, no, not the great Alfred Molina. And there was a nanotech swap in that movie. Who's to say that didn't swap his brainwaves? Who's to say... <laughs> well, to me, the, the, the enduring thing about Spider-Man, and to borrow it from Spider-Verse, it is the anyone can wear the mask. It is that Spider-Man's the guy you know. E even though Peter Parker is a, a world-class genius, that he's the guy from Queens. You know, the, the Marvel characters are the guy, like, the DC characters are the icons, the gods, the, the, the characters like chiseled into the side of the, uh, the Acropolis, you know, like arms akimbo, perfect teeth. Marvel characters are like that guy, you know, 
<laughs> the guy who's, <laughs> who's late for dinner. The guy who, you know, oh, everyone's got 12 stories about that guy. You know, it's someone you know. And what if they had superpowers? And Peter Parker seems to be kind of like the, one of the few holdouts. He still has a secret identity while everybody else is demasking. Like, Marvel, I think, is still the world outside your window. But Peter, I think, still remains indelibly that guy. Oh, absolutely. He, he, Peter is that you can, even when you see something like in Spider-Verse where you get dad bod Spider-Man. Love it. Yeah. We can all relate. There's something always relatable to Peter Parker. There's something about, like, I'm, I remember reading, you know, comics as a kid, and I'd be like, Spider-Man broke his arm, and now it's in a sling. And now he's got to fight the lizard with his arm in a sling. And he needs a bowl of soup. Yeah, and you don't see that with Batman. You don't see that with other characters. So, I mean, I, I kind of love that, that as a kid, that I never knew what was going to happen in the way you don't know what's going to happen in real life. Yeah, no, Spider-Man's always going to be my favorite for that. Awesome. Well, we have to wrap things up. I hope we can do this again in a longer format. Hopefully. But uh, congratulations on 900. All the congratulations to Zeb and to Ed for pulling off that epically, you know, start to finish, just one giant epic tale in one issue. Anyone can pick it up. Anyone can read it from any era. And you go, that was a great Spider-Man story. Awesome. And also, uh, congratulations. We're all looking forward to Spider-Man number one. With Bagley! Yeah, very exciting. Thank you again. Thanks. All right, so before we close out the show, I did want to say another thank you to Arsenal Comics and Games for inviting me to their signing event. Like I said, if you are a Spider-Man collector like me, you'll want to pick up a copy of their exclusive Todd Knock cover for issue number 900. You can visit their website. It's marveltva.com. And you can get the cover with everyone's signatures already on it. They offer a cover with like the amazing Spider-Man logo. And they have another virgin cover that's just like the artwork that they had commissioned from Todd. I'll, I'll leave a link to the page in the episode show notes. You can go there and consider making a purchase. They're really awesome people and they do events like this. So supporting them would be really great. And they were gracious enough to or generous enough rather to invite me. So you know, supporting them supports maybe more things like this happening in the future. And like I said, Dan Slot expressed an interest in joining the show for a longer interview in the future, especially once his new Spider-Man number one is released. So if you could let him know that that's something you'd like to see as well, I'm sure it'll help encourage him come on the show. So I just can't believe we got him at all. And I'm very happy to have finally met the guy whose work we've been covering for like 10 years, Mark. If it made you even the slightest bit jealous, then I consider it mission accomplished. Well, I, all I can say is, you know, and I, I, I made this joke on Twitter, Dan, is, you know, if, if Dan Slott's going to come back, you know, I hope he doesn't see my name attached to the show and say, that Chinacchio guy, a hard pass on that, right? I mean, like... <laughs> <laughs> Hey, maybe it'll, maybe we'll both be inf- uh, equally uh, the, a reason not to come on the show, you know, but but I hope not. I hope he decides to come and join us on Amazing Spider Talks. I know we would roll out a red carpet and give him a nice warm welcome, as we do with all of our guests. So, Mark, this was really fun having you share all this with with us. Uh, it was a thrill for me to go out to Arsenal. But man, would I have loved to have joined you at Terrificon. Well, there's always next year, Dan, that's for sure, right? I mean, you know, but 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 Dan Slot at Arsenal, that might just be the one and only. So you got it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, awesome. Hey, everybody listening. If you do find this show entertaining and valuable, all the work that Mark and I do, please consider supporting us. Recommend Amazing Spider Talk to a friend. And if you're able, become a member on our Patreon. We can only bring you this content with the support of our Patreon members, and we owe the show's success to every single one of them. And we are constantly making exclusive content for our members. This week, Patreon members will hear Alan and me discuss Amazing Spider-Man, Volume 6, Number 7, because Dan is still out on paternity leave, despite what this episode is indicating. Yeah, so why not take $3.99, the price of a new comic, and put it towards a month's subscription to support the show and start receiving our Patreon content. That way you'll hear our Patreon-exclusive review podcasts on every new issue of Amazing Spider-Man, which this run is great. You want to hear these reviews. You'll hear them the same week the comics come out instead of waiting for them several weeks later to arrive in our public podcasting feed. And if you contribute $10 a month, you gain access to exclusive artwork from famous Spider-Man artists, which is commissioned exclusively for our members. We just got news that Barry Kitson is finally finishing up our artwork all the way back from season three of our show featuring the death of Gwen Stacy. We've also got Juan Ferreira doing a Spider-Man and Daredevil team up piece for us and Michael Fife doing a Spider-Man and Venom commission. Plus, every episode, we release a new episode-specific desktop background created for us by artist Nick Cagnetti for our patrons to enjoy. Yeah, and Mark, I did want to say, like, your trip to Terrificon could only happen with the support of our Patreon. Those funds went into, you know, funding Mark's trip and the time he got to spend there away from his family. So, like, we are putting those funds to good use. Like, they go directly into making the show better. And this episode is a great reflection of that. Um, and the equipment but, too, Dan. And the equipment. It's not just. It's not just travel junkets. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Mark is just at the buffet enjoying himself. <laughs> Another martini, sir. Uh, nothing like that Mohegan Sun Mediterranean bowl in the food court. Let me tell you, buddies. <laughs> yeah, right. You're just like gambling the funds away. Yeah, right. Woo. <laughs> But like, like, I always say this and I, I mean it, it's a hard time for everybody and us too. you know, like the Patreon allows us to continue this crazy hobby that Mark and I have. So we do appreciate anyone who supports the show just by listening and sharing it with friends. But if you do have the means, please join our Patreon to support the show's continued existence. And uh, you can do so. There's a link in the description of this episode. You can go to AmazingSpiderTalk.com. And there's a big banner there that will direct you to the Patreon. We'd love it if you would consider joining our members club. But alas, Dan, it is that time. It's time for all good things to come to an end. So we want to say thank you to you, the listeners and viewers, for tuning in to this episode of The Amazing Spider Talk. Yeah, as always, this episode was edited by Rick Coast. Our artwork comes handcrafted by artists Ron Friends, Sal Buscema, Ray Sumzer, and Nick Cagnetti. Our theme songs were produced by Rylan Bojack and Spider Madge. Plus, our introduction animation and musical stinger comes from Josh Sutton from the YouTube show Panels to Pixels. 
This was a lot of fun, Dan, but what do we have coming up on our next episode? Well, Mark, we're actually planning on continuing this series with the discussion of all the retcons of Amazing Fantasy 15 that we've gotten over the years. Now, that might sound familiar because I teased last time that that would be the next episode you guys were getting. But we had all these awesome interviews and I thought all of our listeners would really want be excited to hear them. So we kind of snuck this one in and we're going to get back to that episode uh, you know, in the next couple of weeks. So keep, you know, tuned to your subscription feed and you'll see the next beyond amazing episode. That's got uh, all those awesome retcons or maybe not so awesome retcons uh, uh, that we're going to be discussing. I think that's going to be a lot of fun, Mark. I love talking about retcons, Dan. So, I mean, you know, let's, let's just bring it on. <laughs> awesome, Mark. But until next time we have to leave everyone with our motto, the very thing that forms the backbone of our show. So Mark, until John Romita Jr. stops drawing Spider-Man crouched in the rain, what's our motto? With great podcasts, there must also come the amazing Spider-Talk. Don't, don't miss the next installment.